for joining us for our prayer and uh, Bible study time here on Wednesday, the middle of the week. You know, the winters get very long, but it's good. Yesterday, um, we had a meeting here at the church, and we left. Uh, and it was about 4.30 or so when we left, and I noticed when we had those meetings before, the, the sun was going down already. Now the sun is still out, and that's, that's a bit encouraging. Even though the sun is out, the, the weather's still cold. Uh, days are stretching, and guess what? God put the seasons in, I think, to show his faithfulness. In Wisconsin, we get to see those seasons. Spring is on its way. It sure is. Whether you believe it, whether you feel like it, or whether you're still in the winter drumps, dumps, it's, it's on the way. Spring is on the way. So we thank God for, for that. Thank God for to come together and to be refreshed in the middle of the week. We're going to look again at Ecclesiastes chapter 10 today um, and just take a few thoughts here as we uh, prepare for our prayer time. How encouraging is it that we pray for one another, that we pray faithfully? Um, and so our middle of week service is, is a reminder of prayer as well as an opportunity to pray. And so we're reminded to continue to be in prayer. Last week we talked about importance of steadfastness. We, we talked about the two um, um, stories that highlighted at the end of chapter 9 and going into chapter 10. We saw two things. Uh, one says um, a little good can, can challenge a lot of bad. And uh, so we, we, we're encouraged to pray. And then the second thing says a little bad can ruin a lot of good. So we're encouraged to be steadfast in our testimony and steadfast in our prayer and not let evil upset um, the, the, uh, the work that God has established here. So chapter 10, I want to look at um, a couple of verses. Um, some of them are difficult to, 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 to put into perspective and, and what he's saying. And, uh, but I'm going to start at verse 12. It says, The word of a wise man's mouth win him favor. But the lips of a fool consume him, consume him. Um, here Ecclesiastes is like the wisdom books of Proverbs, and it just tells us the traits that are associated with wisdom as well as uh, the traits that are associated with foolishness, and we see the contrast between the two. And so um, you might ask, how are we to take this? We see some of those wisdom uh, traits in us, and we're encouraged. We also see some of those foolish traits, and and we 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 want to see less and less of that, and we want to to uh, confess that to the Lord that hey, here's here's something that you're working on me and my character, and I want to um, I want to decrease in those areas, and I want to increase in the other areas. So he says, the words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume consume him. The contrast is clear. The wise man's words um, help him and work to his advantage, where the foolish man's words destroy him. And it's saying that we ought to be, we ought to be, um, our words ought to be healthy. Um, not that, that we don't have difficult things to say, but it's the way that we say it. The words that we choose um, needs to be that which... Um, is is healthy for us. 
Verse 13, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. What is it saying? He starts off bad, and he keeps on going. He just gets worse and worse. Haven't you seen that to be the case, if, if not with ourselves? Um, um, we've seen it in general that um, when a foolish person opens his mouth, it just doesn't get any better. It, it just goes from, from bad to worse. Um, and, and it shows when he opens his mouth exactly who he is, and that ought not to be with us. A fool multiplies words, though no man what knows what is to be, who can tell him what will be after him? Um, Proverbs talks about that with many words. <laughs> There's foolishness, and says, and so it, it warns us to. Um, not be talking all the time. <laughs> Not to talk too much. He says a fool multiplies his words. Words added upon words added upon words, and then you get multiplication. So um, for, for the wise, that's a warning. And it's also it's, it's a caution that when you hear a lot of words, <laughs> be careful. Uh, it kind of indicates what's going on there. And it says, though no man knows what is to be. In other words, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and he's talking about some things that we, we, we just won't know. There's things, Ecclesiastes is, is, is one of the themes there, is that we don't know what's, what's going to happen. We can't figure everything out. And if there's something we can't figure out, why do we go on trying to explain or trying to talk about it? We end up talking about something that we don't know something that we don't know of. And so he's given that caution here. No man knows what is to be. Who can tell what will be after him? Doesn't know the future, and we can't speak to those things. So why are we saying, uh, what, why do we speak about that which we don't know of? Um, we were reminded in Ecclesiastes, there's many things in life that we don't know and that we can't figure out. And isn't that something that ought to lead us to prayer, lead us to humble prayer? Lord, I don't know what's going on tomorrow. I don't know um, um, what the case is going to be, but I depend on you. I trust in you, and now I am um, speaking my allegiance to you or my dependency on you. Um, I need to, to trust you. I don't, and I can't figure it all out. You didn't make it for me to figure it all out. Um, and so I acknowledge that, and I depend and I trust in, in you. Uh, I, I give myself over to you. Verse 15, the toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. I think it speaks up there that his work doesn't accomplish much. If we're going to work out of foolishness, um, put it this way, if we're not working out of the wisdom and instruction that comes from God, we're working off of man's wisdom. And it's going to be an empty work. It's going to be a work of vanity. We can be busy doing a lot of things and not accomplishing much. We don't know the way to the city. We don't know where we're going, so to speak. We don't know um, uh, we haven't seen um, the big picture, and we're lost. We're going in circles. And so 
Um, let's not be involved in, in a work that is wearisome, that's tiresome, that is headed nowhere. And so what should we do? We should ask God. We should, we should um, seek his will. The Bible tells us that when we need direction, he'll give it to us. That doesn't mean he's going to explain everything to us and we're going to figure it all out. But we do need to depend on him and trust in him. Um, sometimes we don't know why God leads a certain way. Um, but we still trust in him. Lord, you are in control even when I can't control things. And I'm good with that. I trust in you. Um, so as we pray, we're tempted to pray in, in such a way that we figure it all out, that it all works out the way we want it to work out. And Jesus remind us, reminded us that we're to pray according to his purpose, according to God's purpose. And we have to admit, we don't always know what that is. So, Lord, I don't know your purpose in this situation. I submit to that. Help me to be willing to walk faithfully before you, to obey you, regardless of what outcome comes out of this. I don't know how you're going to work that out. And so, let me walk faithfully. We, we can pray in that way. Um, Lord, I want to... Um, Help me to, to walk in obedience to you even when I don't know everything and I don't know all. I haven't figured it all out, but I want to follow. I want to obey you. I want to lean. I want to trust in you. So let's use that as we think and as we pray tonight. It's not just praying that everything goes well all the time. Now, I, I think that's just natural for us. We're going to pray in such a way. But pray for wisdom if it doesn't go the way we think or we would like it to go. Let's pray that, that, um, that we would trust God or, or the person in that situation would learn to trust God, learn to depend on him, um, learn to accept his purpose and his will in their life, admit that they don't know, admit that they are unsure uh, of these things. We don't know <laughs> the way to the city, as it says here in, in this verse. We don't know how God has worked things out. But we give ourselves over to him. and We know that um, he's leading. We can trust his direction. It's not always easy. It's not always pleasant. But we learn to trust him. And we can go to him, Lord, I trust you. I don't know how this is going to work out. But I trust you. I rest in your answer and your solution. Give me peace in that. Help me to, 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 to fully um, trust you and to, to live out that trust on a day-to-day -day basis. Good evening, saints. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. We're getting into chapter 13. Go through. We'll try to get through verse 30. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
during supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know who I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was in reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what, are you, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. What? this section about break it down little by little first part Jesus washes his Jesus washes his disciples feet what is he teaching in that Simon says no don't wash my feet Jesus says if you don't I don't wash you, you don't have a part. And then Simon said, wash all of me, and he said, you didn't have to do that. I'm not going to do that. You are clean, but not every one of you. What is going on in that? 
Simon says, don't wash my feet. Why? Put him as Lord, and he thought that was the meaning of Jesus, right? So he was saying it for a good reason. So he thought it was the meaning of Jesus to wash his feet. And it really is not, you don't see kings doing stuff like that, right? So he thought of Jesus as king, and he didn't see that that was something that Jesus had to do. Jesus said, nope, I have to do this. Signifying what? Is it demeaning to wash somebody's feet? Yes, it is, right? Yeah, it's not. Kings don't do that. You don't see presidents doing that. You don't see important people doing it, right? You don't get a billion dollars and then go out and wash somebody who makes $10,000 a feet. That's just not what you do. No, that's something that somebody who makes $10,000 a year does for the person who makes a billion, right? So it was demeaning, but what was Jesus showing by doing something demeaning for his disciples? Uh, That's going to be the next section. But in this section, he was showing them that he had to demean himself for their sake, right? He had to demean himself. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part. In other words, he had to suffer dishonor for the sake of his disciples, right? And I think oftentimes, I think as Christians, maybe we gloss over it a little bit too much. Or maybe we've seen too many parts of, of people, Jesus' picture on the cross with like that little cloth over his midsection. And that's not accurate, right? There was demeaning. You got to think about, we talk about the soldiers mocking Jesus. You got to think about why is the crowd watching Jesus be crucified? Isn't that a gruesome spectacle? Why are they doing that? They're mocking him to the point that he dies. You ever think about that, right? There are people who were there at Calvary just to mock Jesus so that the last thing he heard was them mocking him. So when he died, it kind of reminds us of a story in the Old Testament where a king who didn't obey God and what did the Nebuchadnezzar do? Uh, maybe it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar, but one of the Babylonian kings made him watch his sons get killed and then stabbed out his eyes. So the last thing that he saw was his sons being killed. Right? Isn't that, a, isn't that a horrible way to live? Isn't that a horrible way to be? But that's what these people were doing to Jesus, right? They mocked him to the point that he died. And when you think about all that Jesus suffered for our sake, I think the, the pride part of it is the hardest for me. I think I can understand the pain more than I can understand the dishonor. That somebody spit on Jesus. Tell me... There ain't much more you can do. I'm telling you, if you spit on me, I'm going to fight you. I don't care who you are, right? That Jesus did that for our sake, this dishonor is hard for me to take. That's why oftentimes I can't watch movies about Jesus. I can't, I can't do that because it's too much for me to see. I would have been one of the disciples that would have ran away. It's just too much. But Jesus suffered that indignity for our sake, and it had to be done. Now, the other symbol that he had to do was he's washing their feet, but not the whole body. Why? Because only Jesus can take away sins, and it is something that needs to be done regularly, right? You need to be washed once. You need to have your feet wiped off often. 
Then in the next section, he goes into a little bit what Dale is talking about. He said, if I'm Lord and teacher, wash your feet, what you got to do? You have to suffer dishonor for others, right? I think we often think we, we maybe we can falsely equate our role with Jesus' role and think that the washing of the feet part is talking about us somehow cleansing somebody's sins. And I don't think that that's what it's talking about. But I do think what it's talking about is sometimes we do have to suffer and put ourselves low or submit or suffer dishonor for the sake of other believers. I do think we have to take insults sometimes. Ooh, it seems like when you're righteous, you got to suffer things that other people don't. Somebody can cuss at you, but you can't cuss back, right? Somebody could shout and lose their cool and come back and apologize, but if you do that, you can't do that. They ain't going to never forgive you, right? So I think about things like that. I think about um, people who make mistakes, and they expect everybody to forgive them. You make one mistake, they'll never let you forgive it. That's what it sometimes feels like to be righteous. And we have to suffer that indignity from people who, let's be honest, are lesser, right? They're lesser because they're less righteous, right? They're lesser because they don't serve God. Not lesser in worth towards God, but life is worthless. Living a horrible life. They mock you for things that they do all the time. That's what I'm talking about with lesser. And all throughout this, you keep on getting this thing, Jesus repeating over and over, somebody's going to betray me. Somebody's going to betray me. Somebody's going to betray me. And finally at the end, John, Peter nudges John and says, hey, find out who it is. And they find out who it is. And there's an interesting part because we don't see Satan often mentioned in Scripture. But it says, at that moment, Satan entered him. That's scary, isn't it? But you got to think, to knowingly kill your Savior and your God, there's nothing more evil. Right? There's nothing more evil. I think some people, and this is a world evil, it's evil, but there are some people who feel sorry for Jesus. I've seen books written about it. I've seen movies, fictional stuff, written from the perspective of Judas. What's more unforgivable than walking with Jesus all that time, seeing how good he was, seeing how true he was, seeing all the miracles, all the people he healed, and then selling them out for 30 pieces of silver? All he could buy with that was a field. Couldn't even buy a house, just a field. And after he did it, he committed suicide, which is a coward's way out. That's why when you hear the scripture that describes his death, it seems to be mocking of him. Because all the apostles hated him. And rightly so. I know it's not popular in Christian circles to talk about hatred, but man, if you're going to hate a human being, Judas is up there. So Judas is always mentioned. And immediately he went out, and it was night. He went in darkness. I think as Christians, we always are going to suffer through Judas's, aren't we? I always think about people who once was in this church, 
got helped tremendously and then went out and said some savage stuff about us and still out there trying to live life at least Judas had the decency to take himself out some of these people still out there acting like they're doing what's right we still got to see him at somebody's funeral they come by for dishonor for the sake of the of righteousness right so it's a lot going on in this chapter but Jesus Judas leaving opens the door for the rest of these next few chapters where we get Jesus with only the true disciples right and then he starts to really teach so we'll look forward to that in the next coming weeks good evening everybody All right, so today what I would like to focus on is um, back at the beginning of the year, we didn't really get to have a watch night service because of all the craziness going on. Um, but what I want to kind of focus on, and I, I preface with that, is kind of just continue to pray for God's leading in our church and what he is doing for SCBC in 2021. Um, I just look back at um, last year with the deaths, the illnesses, um, just all that kind of stuff that went on. Um, obviously, he's continuing to work. He works every day. Um, he brought COVID. He allowed it to happen. So just continue to just pray for us as a church. Continue to pray for him and his work that he's doing here in the world, here in the city, and here in our church. And I'll close this up. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for just giving us a church where we can come and worship you, Lord. We thank you for having the godly leadership that we have. We thank you for how you've led us through 2020 and just all the different struggles that we've had as a church and as individuals and so many people getting sick and getting the coronavirus and just dealing with so many different things. We just thank you for how you've sustained this ministry and sustained our leadership. As you would just help us to keep in mind what we were hearing earlier in Ecclesiastes, Lord, that we need to pray with your purpose in mind, even if we don't fully understand what that is. We had plans in 2020 that we didn't get to see come to fruition. We had camps that we wanted to see done and events that we wanted to have and just regular services that ended up being Facebook Lives and just things that we didn't plan, Lord, but you had in mind. So we do ask that you would help us to order our steps based on what you have for us, Lord, and not necessarily what we want to see, that we wouldn't... Um, see our plans be changed and take that to mean that you're not being who you are, Lord, that we need to align our hearts with what it is that you have for us, Lord. We thank you for giving us a leadership that is sensitive to your prodding and that is willing to, to seek out your direction, Lord, and that they're upfront with everything that they want to do with our finances, with our planning, with, um, with each other, and just um, we thank you for that. We ask you would help them to stay in um, the strength of your word, that they would stay in unity with each other as they lead us as um, congregants, Lord. I do ask that you be with this year, 2021, Lord, that the things that we do have planned, that we would allow to, we would be allowed to be able to do them when we think of our anniversary, when we think of the things coming up in the summertime, and um, even in the fall with the fall social and the sweethearts dinner, and that we would be able to get together with our grace partners again. And we do, those are things that we desire, and those are good things, Lord. We do ask that you allow us to be able to do them, but if you do change that, Lord, that we would, um, have, have willing and respectful hearts when that happens, Lord, and that we would go along with whatever your plan is, Lord. Just help us to keep in mind that 
everything we do is to bring glory and honor to you and it's to be for your purpose and not for the glorification of sweet communion not for the glorification of us as individuals or for our, our leadership or our pastor but that your gospel will be preached and that people will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and that hearts will be changed and I just pray all these things in your name Amen. Heavenly Father we thank you for and humbly come to you in this time of prayer Lord to your throne of grace Lord, we just want to pray and just thank you, Lord, for bringing us through 2020, Lord. There were so many changes in society, so many things that was new and things that we have never been through before, Lord, with the virus, with this uh, social distancing, uh, things closing, uh, wearing masks. Lord, so many things changed, Lord, but we know one thing that did not change, and that was you. Your word did not change. Your word never changes, Lord. And we can always depend on, on you and on, and on your word, Lord. Lord, we just want to pray for this upcoming year and years to come, Lord, but we want to pray, Lord, for the things that we have planned for this year. And we want just want to keep our minds focused on you. Knowing that we don't know what the future holds, but we know that you do. And it's a blessing to know the God who does know the future. And we want to thank you and praise you for all you brought us through. You brought many of us through sicknesses, surgeries. There's been death in our church. Lord, but in all that, Lord, we know that you are still in control. And we just want to pray, Lord, that as as the plans that we have for this year, Lord, that, that we can just know, know that you hold all things, Lord. We know things must be done in your will. And we just thank you, Lord, knowing that we can depend on you, Lord, and we just want to thank you and just ask that, you, that your will continue to be done in our lives, in this church in our leadership here at this church, Lord, that, that as your word continue to go forth here, and that we can stand on the truth of your word. Lord, we just pray now, Lord, that, that as our lives and as we live our lives, Lord, that our lives will truly glorify you and that you get all the honor and all the praise and all the glory. In your son Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Continuing in prayer, Lord, I want to just lift up um, 2021 to you, Lord. First of all, I want to just thank you for being a God that is in control, a God that has a plan. Um, they were able to lean on you knowing that none of this stuff that happened last year that was a surprise to us was a surprise to you. The virus, the, the passing of the saints, none of it, Lord. You knew it was all, and it was all in your plan, Lord. And we just praise you knowing that you are in control, Lord, and um, you are a God who loves us his people who is in control, Lord, which is a comfort to us all. Lord, we want to just lift up what you're doing in this church, Lord, and um, just the mighty work you've done with us so far last year and um, how you're continuing to just uh, build up this church, continue to build this church to um, reach the men of our community, Lord, and an offshoot of that, their families, Lord, and um, you can just see how last year, how you've expanded, if you've expanded us to um, the rescue mission where we're serving there, Lord, you've, ex you've expanded um, church support, Lord, that we've been able to just continue to raise the funds we need to continue 
um, to meet our financial needs and continue to plan to repair things such as roof. We just thank you for that, Lord. And we just um, ask that you continue to just lead us, continue to lead the leadership team, give us wisdom and direction in how you're leading this church. Continue to use this church in our city, Lord. Continue to just guide uh, our ministry here, Lord. And we just ask that you continue to just bless us and continue to just use us for your work. In your name we pray.